This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And great to be joined right now by Nick Bailey, who's the president and CEO of Remax. Nick, great to have you joining us today. Uh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate being here. How has your company and, and maybe even your industry, larger scale, seen an impact from what has obviously been a, a strong move around interest rates by the Fed and obviously the correlating impact by uh, by mortgage rates? Yeah, it's a great question. Overall, the headline is the real estate industry is going through a rebalance of the market. And what I mean by that, over the last couple of years, we've obviously had a tremendous amount of sales, double-digit price appreciation. And as of a couple months ago, we've had 125 consecutive months of run-up in pricing. And so that's just not sustainable long-term. And so we're seeing a balance come back to the market. Uh, buyers have been bidding up and bidding against each other and not having a lot of choice. And as the changes of interest rates occur, it's going to bring more properties on the market so buyers have more choice of what they're looking at. Certainly, it's going to come at higher rates, um, which may impact uh, some some of the affordability questions. But overall, uh, we still have extremely high demand in the need for housing. Is it impacting the, that that final leg of the race in terms of getting that that, that deal completed right now to, to sell or to buy a home? I think what people have to keep in mind is we're comparing everything this year to last year, which was somewhat of an, an anomaly. And as we talk to interest rates, I think if, if someone's a buyer out there, the one thing that they need to know is there's not just a 30-year fixed rate um, if they're financing. Um, Pre-pandemic, 35-plus percent of the mortgage products were adjustable rate mortgages, which come at a much lower rate than the 30-year fixed. And they dropped to single digits, and they're, they're back on the rise. And so we're kind of comparing this single leg of interest rates being the only component that people should be looking at. But the reality is that there are alternatives out there, and it's important for people to work with an agent or a lender that knows what those alternatives are. How has the, the, the crunch of inventory impacted your operations as well? Inventory has been the tightest that it ever has been in history. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that we've got a huge millennial population. By the way, I love we talk about millennials. Most people don't realize they're 26 to 42 years old now. Uh, they're yeah. not just young punks out there. And they're a huge generation, bigger than the boomers. They're the number one home buying uh, population segment. But we've got Gen Zs right behind them that are coming up to 25 years old and entering the market. You combine that with what's estimated that we have a shortage of about four, four and a half million homes in the U.S. And so when you look ahead at the next two, three, four years, there's still tremendous demand. And that's why we're seeing these uh, record level low inventory rates. And so I think uh, inventories, even though we're going to see more come on the market, it's going to stay on the market a little longer than it has the last couple of years. But it's still going to remain fairly low. For a while there, uh, because of the pandemic, it seemed like the push was more towards the suburbs. But as we've kind of eased things around the pandemic, are we seeing kind of a, a return to the city by whether it be the millennials, the Gen Zs, or even the baby boomers who have maybe retired and, and don't necessarily want to be in the suburbs anymore? Well, the suburb living has always been popular. Um, you usually get more house and a bigger backyard. And it's funny you mentioned during uh, the pandemic, the number one feature that people wanted was a backyard um, for two yes. years. And so 
that just lifestyle of housing the suburbs fit a lot of people um, especially if there's children family formation so they'll always be popular but there was a, a rush to leave high density populations and at the same time uh, the high density populations they have the restaurants the culture the businesses and I think it was just a slight little pause button that was pressed, uh, but we are seeing a return, and I think those areas will always be popular for the reasons that I mentioned. How has the, the state of the economy impacted your operations as a company in general over the last 6 to 12 months? Well, when you look year over year, and again, it's a tough comparison because last year was such a standout year. But I think as we finish this year, we'll see that there will be around 5 million homes sold, uh, which is on par to the average over the past 10 years, minus the pandemic year. Um, and so we are seeing uh, about a 20% drop in the total number of transactions. Uh, there were over 6.1 million done last year. But here's the reality. Regardless of interest rates, regardless of inflation, uh, recession, there is something that happens every single year, regardless of all those numbers. People buy and sell houses. Um, people have kids, they get divorced, they move, job changes, family needs. And it's really less about all of those specific numbers. And for the average uh, home buyer, it's more about, do I have enough down and can I afford the monthly payment? And so interest rate certainly factors into that. So although transactions are down as compared to last year, I think people yeah. are going to be surprised when we finish out this year at actually how strong of a year real estate was. So has your business and maybe even your industry, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, has it made a, a little bit of a pivot now because of the pandemic and, and where we are right now in terms of what the expectation or what the process will be going forward uh, in this industry moving forward? Uh, I mean, we saw obviously a lot of digital uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe that's eased up a good bit now that people can actually go and look at homes again. Yeah, and what's interesting about uh, the digital component, none of that technology was new uh, before the pandemic. Zoom wasn't new before the pandemic. Just a lot of people hadn't experienced it. And so what we saw is is the shift was it was a forcing function of how people had to learn, utilize, or rely on some of that. But when it comes to homes, it might be nice. People still like to go online and see a virtual tour to help eliminate the houses they really don't like, to, to um, select the ones they maybe want to go and see in person. But for the vast majority of people, even relying on some of that tech on their early shopping days is great. But buying a home is very emotional, and you want to touch it, feel it, smell it, know what it's going to feel like to live in it. And so that's something that has not changed. We had to use some of the tech when we couldn't get ourselves physically in a home, but the idea of the vast majority of people not visiting a home um, and buying it sight unseen, it doesn't happen very often. And it, it will continue to happen once in a while, but, um, but nine out of 10 people want to go and see and look and feel where they're going to be living. And we obviously saw a lot of people during the pandemic who decided to do a little DIY, and, and I'll be interested to see how much that continues uh, as we move forward to obviously try, once you get into the house, to, to try and to continue to uh, maybe boost uh, what the house looks like and, and the value may, you may have in it for some day. Well, I love that question. In fact, on, I, I, on my show last month, that's exactly the topic we covered. I think we're, we're in for a three- to four-year remodel boom and because it was so competitive that generally people like to buy houses that are in moving condition, that they don't have to do much to it. 
And because the inventory was low and buyers were competing against each other, a lot of people bought a house with the ugly kitchen and the shag carpet and the panel walls and said, I don't care, I'll take it no matter how it looks. And because uh, there was so much homeowner equity that was built, $3.9 trillion last year alone in homeowner equity, equity was established. And so we're also seeing home equity lines of credit and things like that, people taking some of that equity out and doing those remodel pieces of making that house what they wanted it to be um, when they just kind of had to take it as is. And so I think that it's going to be important that people spend money in the right areas of the home to get the right return because there is a formula to it. You can DIY or whether you have it done professionally, spend money in the right spots uh, because it can make a difference when you go to sell it. What's your top uh, important point right now for both home sellers and home buyers at the moment? Number one for home sellers, be realistic on your price. Uh, people look around the neighborhoods and, and prices are not going up like they did a year ago. And we're still seeing that a home that is priced right, staged right, marketed right, sells very fast uh, in most markets within uh, days or a couple of weeks. Those homes that are now sitting on the market for multiple months um, are generally overpriced. And so sellers, be realistic about what's happening in the market with the comps and making sure you're priced right and you'll be successful in selling. If you're a buyer, um, I think the most important thing is to look at which mortgage product, if you are getting a mortgage, fits your lifestyle. And what I mean by that is people go into, say, their first or second home and they have no intention to stay there more than three, four, or five years, but they may jump into a 30-year fixed rate. They might be better off to move into a five-year adjustable rate mortgage um, and take the lower rate and know that there could be some risk on the back end if they stay more than five years. But generally, those risks are capped and uh, on an annual basis, and so there's not very much risk. But if they look at their loans in a different way, it might help them get into either a more expensive house or a larger house than they think they can get. I think the question around an arm right now is just kind of what the mindset is going to be potentially around rates in general uh, and, and what we're going to see play out over the next, say, 24 months. That's kind of the unknown uh, at this point right now. Well, and I have a saying for that. Uh, when you're going to buy a house, you need to marry the house and date the rate. And what I mean by that is rates are going to change. They may go up a little bit. They may go down next year. But if you find the right home and you can make it affordable, you always will have an opportunity to refinance in the future. So you're not locked into that rate forever um, unless you want to be. Do we do we solve the uh, the housing supply shortage anytime soon, or is that still a ways off? I think we're still a couple of years away from that shortage. Um, it's taken from the Great Recession. Uh, builders in the last 10 years have not been able to pull enough new homes out of the ground fast enough to make up for that lack of housing. And, of course, then you throw the pandemic and supply chains and timing along with it, uh, and, and it's just slow down the process to get new homes out of the ground to meet our meet the, the overall demands. But we are seeing that change this year. Um, just in the last six months, we've seen new construction get to the market and available faster than we have in over two or three years. And so I think we'll continue to see new construction come out of the ground, um, hopefully at a faster rate, which will help with the overall demand. But I think we're still a few years off from getting arms around it completely. 
Nick, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your time. All the best. Thanks, Dan. Nick Bailey, who is the president and CEO of Remax. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.